Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and happy two-year anniversary to Seek the Joy podcast. It has been an incredible two years. Two years. I cannot even believe it. What a ride. Truly, what a ride that this has been. And it's only just the beginning. This summer, I started to think about how I wanted to say thank you, how I wanted to show and share my gratitude for you, for your love and for your support of this show, and how I really wanted to celebrate. There are so many beautiful connections, conversations, and truly moments of joy that we've shared together over the last two years. There have been so many opportunities for growth, expansion, understanding, and healing. There have been so many beautiful moments that just picking a few for this episode, this best of Seek the Joy podcast celebration episode was really hard. Like, really hard because there have been so many aha moments, light bulb moments that have struck me and stayed with me, inspired me and encouraged me. And I know that you could say the same. And it's really amazing too because Over the last two years, I've had over 75 conversations. We've had over 57 people share their story on the power of storytelling. And through Joy Corner, which is our blog series on our site, I've featured over 80 people to date. It's amazing to me to see how an idea and a desire for growth, connection, and community And for me to really step outside of myself and put myself out there and start a podcast and do something different. I mean, I had no media or journalism experience before this. I just had a real desire to share and to connect. And so it's really incredible to see how an idea, a wish, a dream, and a mission has grown in two years. And we're still growing. And the impact is still far-reaching. I'm really grateful and touched to know that so many of you are on this journey with me and we're just getting started. How beautiful and incredible is that? That after two years, we're just getting started. So in this week's new episode, I'm really excited and honored to highlight some of your most loved moments from our most loved episodes and to celebrate two years together with you Two years of following what lights us up, what brings us joy, and chasing our passions. This celebration, too, is just getting started. And I know I say this all the time, week in and week out, but you are such an important part of this podcast and such an important part of this journey with me. And so I couldn't imagine celebrating with anyone else. So make sure to join me all month long on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. And let me know what your favorite moment has been. If there's been an episode or a guest that has really resonated with you or inspired you, I'd love to share and celebrate this moment with you because it's been such an honor to feature so many of your stories and your voices. And we're just getting started. So let's dive into it, into this special two-year anniversary celebration of Seek the Joy podcast in sharing our best of moments from the last two years. So cheers to two years. Cheers to celebrating our joy, to staying true to who we are, and above all else, cheers to you for being on this journey with me, for sticking with me through the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. Here's to powerful storytelling and conversations that inspire and empower. 
to uplifting each other's voices and stepping into our vulnerability and our courage, all to seek our joy. Cheers to Seek the Joy podcast. I cannot wait for year three. May 2018, I had the incredible opportunity to sit down with Melissa Palmer. She's the CEO of Osea Malibu. And I loved getting to know Melissa and learning more about her journey and the Osea family story. And she's such a kind and inspiring woman and leader. And it was an honor too to be the first podcast that she had ever been on. And in that episode, we were really able to get a behind the scenes look at the incredible family story behind Osea. And what I was struck by the most was not only Melissa's passion and drive, but her heart. Listen to what she had to say about her spiritual practice and her choice to work from a space of service. I would say that dancing and moving is my spiritual practice. My meditative practice is a practice of imperfection. Sometimes my meditation looks like two minutes, but just taking those two minutes is really important. And I think just really trusting in a higher power and staying really committed to service. I think everything, I heard something that Wayne Dyer said in an interview years ago, it was this little snippet I heard, that the way he prepares for every time he speaks, anytime he presents anything, is he lays on his hotel room floor and for 30 minutes repeats over and over, how may I serve, how may I serve, how may I serve? Mm. And I've really taken that mantra on. It really inspires me. This is really what Melissa has done with the Osea brand. She's brought it to life from the space of service, following in her mother's footsteps. And this is what she had to say when I asked her about what it's like working at the Osea offices. I feel like we're having just like a ridiculous amount of fun on most days. I've been really trying to incorporate spontaneous dance parties <laughs> at the office. I love it. And I would say I probably make more jokes than I should during serious times <laughs> because it has to be fun. Mm-hmm. I was having a call yesterday with someone who was like, oh, I'm just, you know, having a rough day. They were helping us on a project. And I was like, oh, let me just like tell you some jokes. I mean, I didn't say that, but I just started cracking <laughs> ridiculous jokes, which she couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. I don't know if I'm actually funny, but I just pursue. I persist <laughs> in really bad jokes, and eventually mm-hmm. that does make people laugh. Um, and she laughed, and it just completely shifted the conversation, and then we got back to business. So I really try and keep that in the office. And it is working um, in our two-plus years that we've had a team We've never had anyone leave, which, like, to me is the most – one person moved out of the country. Um, But everyone likes what we're doing enough to stay, and that's, like, what inspires me every day to keep growing and do better and build more. As a pioneer and leader in the clean beauty and skincare space, this is what Melissa had to say when I asked her what advice she would give to someone who's looking to go after their passions the same way that she has. I think it would be probably two things, but probably ultimately the same, which is just go for it. And you don't know where it 
will take you. I have this philosophy that if I repetitively have something I want to do or feel like I just have to do, I have to take action in that direction so that I can find out what's on the other side of it. And sometimes that might be failing at it. Sometimes it might not really even be what I wanted. But if I don't take direction in that, towards that, I just, I don't know what to do next. So if you have an idea, just start taking action towards it. Start making moves, even if it's small steps. And sometimes it takes the pressure off of me to think more about that I'm actually accomplishing something just by going towards it versus putting the the power on the outcome that maybe the outcome is totally unknown, but my but going towards something will take you to what's next. In May 2018, I also sat down with Caitlin Mojendal. She's the founder and CEO of Pulp Pantry, and her desire to make a difference and provide sustainable solutions and her willingness to really push beyond what's possible continues to inspire me to this day over a year and a half later. She's really on a mission to create progressive solutions to combat food waste and build healthy food access for all. And we had a really great conversation about social entrepreneurship and Caitlin's journey riding the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. This is what she had to say when I asked her what made her decide to go all in with Pulp Pantry. Basically, I just realized, I was like, you know what? I am so passionate about this idea. And the only thing holding me back is really fear. Mm -hmm. And that's never a good excuse not to do something, right? Like if you're fearful, you probably should do it because it's like, it means, it probably means that you're onto something that, that really could be, um, could be a game changer to some extent. And so I just kind of was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to commit full in because I have nothing to lose. I don't have a family, um, relying on me. And this is really one of the only times in my life where I can just, kind of throw all caution to the wind and just, you know, dive in head first. And so um, when I got back from the John Muir Trail, that's when I incorporated and just put the resources together to actually get Pulp Pantry to a place where I could be um, scaling and growing a business. Um, and, and yeah, ever since then, I think, you know, I really, I am kind of the blind optimist and I think, you know, that's yeah. like naivete is one of the best things. And it's also, you know, it can be, um, it can be something that just allows you to dream bigger. Um, and so I'm always trying to connect back to that and just really get back to the kind of the central mission and vision for where this is going and not get too caught up in the the nitty gritty, because there's definitely moments of doubt still, um, whether it comes up against, you know, when it's coming up against like supply constraints or capacity constraints and whatever else, where it's like, it gets really hard to, to think bigger and, and kind of keep on pushing on and along with this, like, this is going to be a big idea. And it doesn't mean that just these small little hurdles are, you know, the end all be all. And so I, I definitely think that like, yeah, like I think we were talking about before, you know, it's entrepreneurship is the, is the constant highs and lows. I mean, you just, you, you have to just kind of um, find a way to persevere persevere because in the end, it's like the perseverance that really will, will get you through to see kind of the, the idea grow into, into really what its potential is. Throughout our conversation, we talked about challenging the status quo and taking steps every day to reach our full potential. That means confronting and pushing past fear and looking at ways to innovate and be innovative and also choose sustainability in both our personal lives and in our businesses and what we buy or what we sell or what we eat and what we consume. And Caitlin has ultimately chosen this path of impact and purpose. 
Listen to what she had to say when I asked her what advice she would give anyone who feels called to shake things up and challenge what's possible and ultimately follow their passions. You know, just going back to this idea that the world doesn't need more of the status quo. And I think the world really needs more people who have this like call to action to to really shake things up. And although you're going to be met with resistance from, you know, people who who have their interests vested in um Best in kind of things as the way they are. I mean, we really, we do need a lot of change in this country, right? Like we need, we need a lot of change when it comes to our food system, when it comes to just um, sustainability and the way that we do business. And when it comes to even like, you know, health and well-being and the fact that, you know, so many people in America have, are struggling with issues like depression and, and whatnot. And I think, you know, whatever the interest is, it's like, if you see that there's a need to change, I mean, really like that is a responsibility that we all have to kind of make the world a better place. And I, I, I just, I feel like, you know, taking the ego out of it and taking away some of those fears, because what if I fail? What if I do this? And actually turning towards more of this kind of holistic look at people need, like people need this, there's a need for this and, and kind of taking it outside of the self. I mean, through that process, you will be able to combat some of your, some of the fears and some of the internal issues that kind of prevent you from wanting to move forward. Um, so I, I, I just, I think it's, it's definitely kind of connecting to a higher calling and a a vision that will really propel you forward and continuing to kind of exist in that dream state so that you can, you can combat some of the, the self-doubt, um, that we all, that we all face, you know, we all have moments of doubt. So, um, that's, I think that's really important. I have really found that it's in these moments of doubt and overwhelm and confusion that really provide us a beautiful opportunity and catalyst to not only find our voice, but also own it. Last year, I sat down with Alana Lynn Gross. She's a freelance journalist, a recent graduate of Columbia Journalism School, and the founder of the personal and professional development website, Alana Lynn. And her reflections around identifying, understanding, and sharing your voice, whether it's in journalism or media or on a podcast or in your life or your career, it's a total game changer. Check out what she had to say about developing your voice. I think that for like blogging and writing in general, the biggest piece of advice that I have and what I've learned is in the beginning in 2011, when I was a paralegal and starting a blog, I kind of, and I think it's easy to do this at first, is I kind of like, was like, okay, well, what's out there? What are people blogging about? Fashion? Mm -hmm. Okay, I could try that. You know, I like Lily Pulitzer as much as the next girl. But then as you kind of start to share your own story more and share who you are and what you're passionate about and what you like, that's what comes across. So like, you know, not really emulating other people and figuring out what it is that that will start coming across and it'll be more fun for you to write and way more fun for other people to read because I think it that comes off on the page and in journalism as well, like identifying your voice and understanding your voice is so helpful. Yeah. So like, obviously it'll shift for the publication. Like Dell is a lot more formal than Glamour, which I write for. But once you kind of develop your voice, everything just becomes so much easier and so much more authentic and so much more fun. So, you know, of course, I had to ask Alana what her advice would be for someone who wants to step out into a career in journalism and media. I think the biggest piece of advice is find your voice. And once you find it, refine it and like, just go all in. I think that's huge. And I think that that's so helpful when you're looking to 
find new editors or when you're looking to create a community on a blog or online, if you, and no matter where you are actually, like even if you work a desk job and you, you know, are an accountant, like finding your voice and like what makes you, you is so helpful. And I think people, that's why like authenticity is such a buzzword right now. But I think it, it's so true. I think that once you find your voice mm-hmm. and you find what you really enjoy doing, you'll be a lot happier. And I think that you can only kind of have that when you stay true to yourself. Authenticity is such a driving force. And so it's no surprise to me that millions, I mean, seriously, millions of people have read Alana's blog. And she's an amazing voice for millennial women. She provides actionable job search, career, lifestyle, and wellness advice. And I loved chatting with her about sharing vulnerable content and the possibility for connection and just the impact that all of this has had on her journey. Being able to really connect with people because there are so many people who feel the same way or feel similarly. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times when you write, it's very like isolating at times in that like you're writing, you know, at your desk in the pouring rain. And I forget that so many people sometimes are reading it. So I think the biggest thing for me has been being able to connect with people and realize that so many people have these same feelings or the same questions or wonder, you know, why their boss said this when they asked for a raise or, you know, why they, yeah. whatever it is. I think that that's been one of the best parts. And I think in writing the more vulnerable content and also just putting your voice into whatever you write, you're able to connect so much more with people And you realize that, like, even if you're writing at your desk alone on a rainy day, you're reaching so many people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really helpful because writing can be kind of solitary. So knowing that there are other people reading it and hopefully finding it helpful is it makes it a lot more worthwhile. Yeah. Being able to connect with people both on and offline and to really do so unapologetically as the most authentic version of who you are and then to create spaces that are friendly, familiar, and filled with opportunity to learn and grow. It's exactly what Emily Merrill, the founder and CEO of Six Degree Society, has done. I mean, how many times have you showed up to a networking event feeling intimidated or unsure of who you should approach first? I have been there more times than I can count. And Emily and I had a great conversation about taking the guesswork and fear out of networking so that you can really show up as the most authentic version of who you are. I love this quote that she shared during our conversation. I love the um, this quote that I say a lot, actually, where you build your network when you don't need it and then tap it when you do. Mm. So I feel like a lot of people that fear of networking comes because there's a transaction or like a desperation that goes to it. Yeah. So when people network, they feel like they have to network to find a job or they need it as a means to an end to something when really it should be kind of a practiced thing in your life, like a like a Pilates class. It should be as regular in your life as like the Pilates class that you go to. It should be a little uncomfortable. It should be a little painful sometimes, (laughs) but you feel better afterwards. Entrepreneurship is filled with highs and lows and ups and downs. And it really does ask us to ride the waves, to be open to anything, especially the unexpected. Listen to what Emily had to say when I asked her what the most surprising and rewarding part of this journey has been following her joys and her passions. 
Helping inspire other people, uh, helping people see that if they were feeling itchy, that it's okay. I felt like an itchiness whisper, like people yeah. would come to me and be like, I don't love my job anymore. What do I do? Or they would come to me and, you know, they, they wanted to, they wanted to make a move, but they weren't sure what it was, but they didn't have that resource to talk to. So when I made the move, it inspired a lot of people to start that conversation inside themselves. Like, am I happy here? If it's, if I'm not happy, is it the job? Is it what I'm doing? Like, what is it? What is that actual reason? And I don't think everyone and their mom should be an entrepreneur. Like we're psychos. We're absolute psycho people. Like if there is something wrong with my brain that doesn't work like a normal person, I'm pretty positive of that. <laughs> However, I, I love the fact that I can help people make the right choices and not make the mistakes that I made or like the stumbles that I made as, as I did this. I know every tool that you need in your toolbox that I had to collect slower, you know, at the beginning and yeah. figure out on my own. And then also I think, yeah, I, I just love being able to have someone like getting an email from someone and saying, you know, that event last night or that match that you matched me with or, or your words on that, you know, that podcast really stirred something inside of me. And, and I like that. I like that mm -hmm. I can help make you a little uncomfortable, even in yourself words and the power of empathy and kindness and learning to not only embrace discomfort, but also to push past it and really thrive has been a huge theme on Seek the Joy podcast for the past two years. Kelly Boyer, the founder and CEO of Paletta, a farm-to-table meal delivery service, has not only been an inspiration to me and someone who I loved having on the podcast, but she's become a really good friend. At age 21, Kelly was diagnosed with a rare advanced form of terminal ovarian cancer, and with the love and support of family and friends and really good medicine, she beat it, and it changed the course of her life forever. These words from Kelly still make an impact on me today. But someone said to me, gosh, I hope I can say this properly. I think it's like, it's not his quote. I know he stole it from somewhere, but he said, you know, some trees were, were made to bear fruit and other trees were made to give shade. Mm. And he said, yours is to give shade. And it just read it, it, that one comment healed me like almost 80%. It just yeah. made me go, yeah. I can, I can contribute to the world. I can help, I can help other people. I can nurture, you know, which is so much about having children and pro, you know, and having babies. Right. And I can nurture people in a different kind of way. I'm learning that wellness is really holistic. It's well-rounded. It's mind, body, and soul coming together and changing the way that we eat. It changes the way that we live and the way that we feel. And nutrition is such an important part of this equation. Kelly has really embraced this well-rounded view of wellness and check out what she had to say about Paletta and coming full circle and really embracing her path and her purpose. Once the Paletta thing came to play, I went, oh my gosh, I feel like I've, you know, in 20 years, I've come full circle to really finding my new purpose, you know, and that's to make people feel better by changing the way they eat because, you know, what you put in your body, it's everything. I mean, this is, I mean, it, it sounds so cliche, but like, this is our one body. This is our one vessel on this planet in this lifetime. And you have to take care of it. And I think there's so much information out there. Uh, it's so hard for people to weed through and figure out what do I eat? When do I eat? How do I eat? How much do I eat? 
and of course everybody's different. So I really crafted my business in, in, in really understanding that not one size fits all. It's incredible just how many people Kelly has reached through Paletta with the mission really to improve their lives through food. Kelly does it all, so you know I had to ask her, how do you do everything? How do you balance all of this? And I love what she shared. Balance isn't a word that really fits my vernacular very well. I it's it's not something I really strive for because I don't I sort of appreciate the highs and the lows. You know, I I really do. Like the lows are lows, but my God, they make those highs so much better. And they make you appreciate the other stuff. If you weren't feeling crappy at times, you wouldn't appreciate feeling amazing at other times. Yeah, you need that contrast. Yes, exactly. Contrast. That's exactly the right word. That's exactly the right word. I don't want a beige life. You know, I've had a lot of really tough things happen to me, really tough things. And each one, I'm like, okay, you know, dig in. I, I'm going to get through this. Always do. Always mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's that, you know, there's the sunshine at the end of the tunnel. Like, they're, they're always, I, just, I really believe that there's a surprise around every corner. So at my darkest, darkest moments, I just, I have to tell myself that, you know, like, no, like, God, you know, you've had some really dark times and some really hard times. But something always happens. You either make something happen or something just happens to you mm-hmm. and it can turn on a dime. Living your life in color and tapping into your creativity is definitely a specialty of Amy Tan. She's the award-winning designer and craft expert behind Amy Tangerine, a creative lifestyle company. And she's also the author of Crafting a Life You Love. Amy's mission is to inspire people everywhere to feel joy and confidence by infusing creativity, fun, and intention into your everyday. I loved sitting down and having this conversation with her and what she shared about creativity, inspiration, and being intentional. Especially in today's world where we have so many options and so many resources right in front of us at our fingertips, we don't really take the time to pause. You know, some people are like, oh, how do you keep these creative juices flowing? How do you find all these ideas? Where do you find your inspiration? I mean, I think inspiration is all around us if we're willing to look for it. But sometimes we can also be fed with too much information. You know how, I'm not sure if you do this, but I will often hop on Pinterest with a goal in mind, and then an hour later I realize I've just gone down this rabbit hole (laughs) and completely changed what I was doing and not set out on my goal. So I think there's a lot of ways to consume inspiration, but then also you have to be sure to pause and create that for yourself or for others and be intentional about doing so. So I think just really identifying what it is for you that your soul craves, I think that's what's really important. And I believe that everybody is creative. I agree with that. I really do believe that we are all creative and creativity comes in different sizes and shapes and forms. And it's all about how we choose to express that creativity. There's also such a beautiful connection between creativity and its ability to help us craft a positive mindset and how we really want to feel. I love what Amy shares in this episode about how really every experience is an opportunity to explore our creativity and tap into it and really choose our joy even when it isn't the easiest or most natural choice. Take a listen to what Amy had to say about all of this and how she really began to craft a life that she loves, starting with mindset. 
I really took stock of how I wanted to feel every day. You know, what would bring me true inner peace and inner joy as opposed to trying to worry about the future and trying to future trip and trying to plan out all these things. And I think that that really kind of gave me good perspective on saying, hey, look, we can try to plan our life and we can try to control things, but really it's not up to us in a lot of ways. But the things that are, that's what we need to focus on. Crafting the right mindset is such a powerful thing. It's something that I work on every day. And I think people have different methods of doing so, you know, whether it's through meditation or yoga. I mean, you're really responsible for your own happiness. So once you take stock of that and you're willing to craft your own healthy mindset and it aligns with your values, that's when you can have sudden breakthroughs. And it's something that you have to practice on a daily basis. I don't wake up happy. Everybody thinks that I'm just this happiest person that they, mm. they know. And I, I am full of joy. I really am. But it's something that I've really had to work on throughout my life because I think my, my internal compass is to be afraid of things, is to be fearful of what the unknown holds. And I think that's why I've been such a worry wart my, most of my life. Amy, you and me both, I am right there with you. And I was so appreciative of everything that Amy shared in that episode about choosing her joy and her happiness and making it a choice daily because changing our thoughts is such a powerful thing, but it's something that we actually have to work on all the time. Remaining in a positive mindset is work because often our internal compass and what we naturally lean towards is I mean, for me, I'll speak for myself, it's often fear and doubt and worry and anxiety as opposed to joy and celebration. So I resonated with what Amy shared for sure. I also love what she had to say about gratitude and its role in her happiness. I'm just so grateful for everything I have and everything I don't. And I think it's really important to include that second part because it's so easy in our lives to look at other people's days or what they're sharing on social media and to say, oh my gosh, you know, wait a second. I want that. And why, why shouldn't I do that? And why can't I have that? Or look at them. They're doing such fun things. Well, yeah, but you don't know what they're going through inside either. And everybody goes through struggles and hard times. So really focusing in on the things that you love and making sure those activities feed your soul is something that's such a key part of my happiness. Our creativity provides us with such an incredible opportunity to express ourselves and to serve as an outlet, but to also find a form of clarity within. And Norma Jean Belenke joined me on the podcast to talk about just that. Norma Jean is a multi-talented and such a kind, compassionate, and inspiring person. She's a musician, artist, and entrepreneur. And one of her biggest passions is guiding others to this space of creative empowerment. But in order to do that, she had to empower herself first. Listen to what Norma Jean had to say about giving ourselves permission to step forward in who we are and our creativity and to really embrace opportunity. And I think it was, it was interesting because once you allow yourself to do something or once you give yourself permission, you're, you're out to the races, you know, and there was a lot of things in my life that I'd wish that I had taken 
the opportunity to do, or even let myself do that were right in front of me. You know, there were literally, I just had to like step my foot forward and it was just like in a cement galosh of my own making. And at that point, you know, I realized there's going to come a day where I don't have that opportunity and it's not going to be because of my own mental shortcomings. Mm -hmm. So there's this moment where you're just like, fuck it. And that is kind of the thing that drives me, right? Whether it's um, my music, which is really kind of, I believe why I'm on the planet, um, this time, my music, my cartoons, my podcast, you know, there's this moment where you may not have the opportunity to do it later. Um, so if the only thing stopping you is you, you got to let that go. So I spent so much time holding myself back that I think once I let myself move forward, it was like a little bit of an explosion. It was a total explosion in the most beautiful and profound way possible. And Norma Jean has not looked back. Of course, then I had to ask her about her creative empowerment and the process that she went through to seek and discover her creative expression and joy and how that ultimately led her to her creative empowerment and process. You know, we put a lot of expectations on ourselves and judgment and um, it took a long time. You know, a lot of it was learning stuff, you know, learning techniques and meditations and trainings. And, um, I'm a Reiki master. I do, I do that as well. Um, but a lot of it was also unlearning, you know, unlearning that I'm not enough unlearning that I, anything that I create is not valid. And so that's also been, um, a beautiful, amazing process as well. And the process of creativity in general is really just being present with whatever comes out and accepting it and loving it. And so my personal creative empowerment has been, it's kind of been a combination of like work really hard at what you love and don't judge it. Mm-hmm. Don't judge yourself and be as nice to yourself as you possibly can. I love this emphasis on kindness and the choice to not only show yourself that kindness, but then to also move forward with kindness towards others too. Speaking of kind and talented women, Kimothy Joy, the author, illustrator, and artist behind the empowering and powerful images that uplift and inspire all of us, joined me on the podcast in February 2018 to talk about celebrating our voices, stepping into connection, joy, and creativity. Kimothy really brings strong women to life in her watercolor and ink portraits, and it's all to spark social change really recognizing the power of art and creativity to lend to this positive social change, Kimothy is passionate about spreading messages that empower, uplift, inspire, connect, and celebrate women and girls. Take a listen to what Kimothy had to say when I asked her what empowerment means to her. Empowerment means feeling comfortable and whole in your skin and knowing your power, your own power and your agency, really understanding that, you know, when you're like walking into a room or any type of um, situation, knowing that you have equal power with the other person or the other groups of people, um, having that confidence, you know, and also really having boundaries, you know, and knowing yourself, you know, what your boundaries are, you know, how to self care and preserve yourself. So you know when to say no, or you're just, you get used to saying no more. Losing her mom to breast cancer in 2009 was, in many ways, the catalyst for Kimothy to step into her authenticity, listen and stay true to her intuition, and chase joy in her life. It was also what kept her motivated to give back through her work. 
I love what Kimothy shares in this next clip about this note that was on her mom's fridge. It said, find joy in life, share joy with others. What Kimothy shares about choosing joy, even during life's most difficult moments, and the impact that it's had on her personal and self-development journey, it's inspiring. It just caused me to reevaluate everything, how I was living, if I was living for my own happiness or for the approval of others. And I realized I, a lot of the things I had done since then had been because other people had told me I should be doing it or, you know, there were choices that were definitely influenced by other people. And it wasn't me just doing like a real gut check and asking myself, well, what do you want to do? What makes you happy? What brings you joy? So I think it just made me realize that you really have to work hard and almost fight for your own joy and happiness. It's not, it doesn't come to you easily. It's something that you really have to claim and hold on to and keep working at. And it's also just so important. Yeah, that was definitely a turning point for me that, I mean, since then I've just made so many different changes and I feel like I'm a completely different person. As Kimothy's relationship with herself transformed, she was able to tap into her sensitivity more and recognize that it's a strength and not a weakness. I love what she shares in this next clip about how her sensitivity has really informed her artwork and this emphasis on inclusivity and making sure that every voice, no matter how big or small, is shared. And I always thought that was a weakness, just being a little more soft-spoken, um, introverted, sensitive. But now I really recognize that that's one of my greatest strengths. It definitely, I think that empathetic side of me that kind of just has like a hypersensitive radar on at all times. And when I walk into any room, I'm like, are they comfortable? What are they doing? Oh, they seem a little like, do they feel like they're not being heard or seen? Oh, there goes my dog. <laughs> that's Charlie. He's he agrees. <laughs> You agree like, with everything you're saying right now. Ditto, girl. You get it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's that same part of me that has that hypersensitive radar on when I'm like at a party or hosting or I'm just trying to get a feel of the room. And, you know, I can kind of sense when people are maybe uncomfortable or maybe they're like lonely. They can't. I just always have been that way. Yeah. Or I cry at the drop of a hat or. <laughs> I don't know. I just take it all in. So I think that I've learned over the years that that's definitely my strong suit and it informs my artwork. It definitely gives me a perspective of uh, inclusivity, like who might not be uh, feeling heard or seen right now, like what people are out there, like what's missing from this, where we're not seeing it in artwork or in media, like whose voices are mm -hmm, not being yeah. heard. And then I put that into art, you know, when you think about leadership and leaders, you know, you have this, we have this stereotype of what it means. And I never thought of myself as that until recently. I'm like, no, I can, I can be myself and still be a leader. And I, it doesn't have to look a certain way. Leadership comes in all shapes and in all sizes. And we are all leaders. This is what I really believe. We are all leaders in our own lives and in our own ways. And it's our ability to know who we are and share and communicate that confidently and effectively that really allows our skills and our abilities to shine through. And Sarah Sachs, the founder and CEO of Right for the Job, joined me on the podcast to talk about how we can really share our personal story through our professional materials to show why we're not just right for the job, but how we want to make an impact too. Take a listen to what Sarah had to say when I asked her, 
why write for the job and what kind of impact does she want to have? One of my biggest passions is storytelling. Everyone needs to be able to tell their own story because that is what makes you truly unique. And so I started this business because I realized that even people who might think that they're okay and, you know, they know their self-worth, but maybe they don't feel confident enough to articulate it. Or maybe they just don't know how. Sometimes it's hard to talk about yourself. And, you know, I love being able to tell other people's stories. And it's not just your story. It's what you bring to the table, the value you offer. No one can take away from you your personal story, who you are and what you've experienced. And it's these experiences that inform our decisions and our choices, our career choices, our relationship choices, everything is informed by these experiences. And so it's about sharing our stories and allowing them to bring us closer together and remind us that we're not alone. Part of that too is making a choice and a decision about the kind of people we want to surround ourselves with, from our friends to our coworkers. I love what Sarah shares about this in this next clip. I think there have been moments in my life where I've realized that life is very short. And I don't want to be around people who do not feed my soul in the best possible way. And so I make an active decision every single day to surround myself with people who are smarter and better at other things than I am to lift me up, to add value, to add interest and, and, and passion into my life. And I also choose to do things that I want to do. And I smile a lot. (laughs) You do. You're constantly (laughs) smiling and I love it. And you know, it's so interesting about what you just said. I have really found that in order to connect and find people and surround yourself with people who feed your soul requires you first to figure out what feeds your soul. And I feel like you have totally done that. And I will say this too, every time you and I get off the phone, I'm always like so energized and so happy and you have just the best energy and the best personality. And so it's so wonderful to hear that you make such a conscious effort to really, I don't know, surround yourself with people who mimic that. Thank you. I feel the total exact same way. (laughs) Um, I also, speaking of quotes, since we're both quote freaks, there's another quote that I love that says, the day will go the way the corners of your mouth turn. And it also reminds me of something that I've heard that I don't know if it's scientifically proven or not, but if you're in a bad mood and you smile, even if it's a fake smile, you just like smile, it creates the endorphins, whatever, and then you get happier. Yeah. Well, if you choose to smile that day, your day is going to be better than it was if you didn't. Choosing to smile and choosing our joy is so connected to self-love and self-care. And I was joined on the podcast by Heather Reinhart. She's an author, speaker, and self-love aficionado to talk about her self-love journey, why self-love is so important, and what it really means to love ourselves. This is her beautiful definition of self-love. I define self-love as a righteous knowing of one's identity. Mm where you just know everything about yourself deep down to the core and understand the choices that you have to make to support yourself and understanding that each choice you make either 
gets you further ahead along your path or it keeps you stagnant. And then sometimes those stagnant choices are needed as well because we need to learn the lesson a little bit more before we move forward. But knowing yourself is the ultimate self-love. It is such a journey. Getting to know ourselves and embarking on that journey is a conscious choice. It's not always comfortable and it's not always easy. And it often requires us to embrace our own vulnerability in ways we never thought we would. In the last two years of Seek the Joy podcast, of sharing these conversations and sharing so much of me and my experiences and the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs, I mean, how many times have I cried on this podcast? But it's so cool and so fascinating to be able to see the self-love and self-development journey that I've been on right alongside all of you. And it's a journey, too, of learning to release judgment of both ourselves and of others. What Heather shares in this next clip resonated so much for me. Take a listen. Everything starts with self-worth and self-love. And when you live in a place where you have such a knowing of your identity and you live in that authenticity, it's just a more beautiful space. And if everybody lived in that space, we would have such a different world. Mm -hmm. One of the things that comes in with self-love is that when you start to own your shit and go through it all, you come to a place where you stop judging yourself and you release the judgment and you forgive yourself for whatever things that you've wronged yourself on. And then you move forward and say, all right, no more judgment. When you stop judging yourself, you stop judging others because then you can look at it from oh, everybody's just kind of going through their own learning and growth experience. Mm -hmm. So stop judging yourself. You stop judging others. If we stop judging others, what would the world be like? We would lose so much of the isms that we have right now in our society. It would would be a totally different Mm -hmm. planet. It would. The world would transform if we let go of judgment and instead embraced and recognized just how awesome each one of us really is. Trisha Huffman, a.k.a. your joyologist, is a transformational coach and entrepreneur, and her mission is to inspire you to fully live your life full of joy and to love yourself through it all. In this episode, we really explored what it means to own your awesome, and my biggest takeaway is probably this. When we allow ourselves to shine brighter, to believe in ourselves and what we're capable of, we show others that they can do the same too. You know, what motivated me to make the first dream come true. So it really just like have to take that leap into believing in yourself. And that's what my whole motto of own your awesome really goes so deep and so vast. And and that's why I named the app that it's a Mm -hmm. daily inspiration app called own your awesome. And it's really just like being so comfortable and confident in who you are and then allowing yourself to see those possibilities that we've been made to make the default be like, just stay over here where it's comfortable or I maybe don't want to like own my awesome or shine brighter because I don't want anybody else to feel bad Mm. or something because that's if I own my awesome or if I start to believe in myself and what I'm capable of, am I acting like I'm better than other people? But what I choose to see it as is that you are then allowing other people to be able to see that within themselves. Mm-hmm. It's that by you being able to say, they might say, yes, this could happen for me. I'm capable of this to believe in yourself that 
you're stepping into that. I don't see it as like an ego thing of like, Hey, look at me. I'm over here owning my awesome. I'm better than you. It's like this grounded in, Hey, I'm safe to be me. Yeah. Hey, I'm allowed to think past this, this line, this bubble, this, you know, should this little world that we've been cultivated into it's like pushing yourself beyond that like pushing some space around for yourself that you can stand and be really rooted in who you are and that it's necessary for you to be who you are and that that's not saying you're better than anybody else it's showing the people around you oh I can start taking these layers off of protection too Hmm. like I'm allowed to shine too like I'm allowed to follow my heart I'm allowed to believe in myself When we give ourselves permission to fully step into who we are and own our awesome, everything changes. And mantras and affirmations are such a great tool to support us in this journey. And one of my favorite questions to ask during these conversations is, what is your go-to mantra or affirmation? For me, over the last five years, it's been stay patient and trust your journey. I love what Trisha shares too about trying on affirmations and how ultimately we have to face the negative thoughts and behaviors before we can even try on positive affirmations. Affirmations can be hard if you're not open to them and if you're not seeing what you're actually feeling because where they're most valuable is when you're turning around a negative thought that you're telling yourself of like, I'm not enough, no one will ever love me, whatever it is. And by venting that out onto the page, and it's so important to allow yourself to get the negative stuff. It's hard. When I first started journaling, it was hard for me because I'm like, well, no, I'm positive. Hmm. I'm uplifting. I can't like, I can't allow these negative things to come out on the page, even though it's like, you can rip it up, you know, burn it. Nobody has to see this. You're never going to read it again. Your handwriting doesn't have to be nice. It's just by getting it out of you, you are, you are then paying attention to what you're thinking and feeling. And so then that's where you can move through it and transform it. I'm tying those two together with allowing the journaling to get that out. Allow yourself to say the yucky thoughts that you're feeling, you know, because if it's in your head, then it's real. And if we try to ignore them, then we, we don't really have the most space. You can just try on affirmations and try on positive thinking. But if you're just ignoring the negative stuff you're telling yourself and it's still like constantly popping its head back up there, and you're just like, no, no, then you're not going to really be able to transform yourself and move through it. Yeah. So let the ugly stuff come out on the page, rip it up, burn it, whatever, and then turn it around. And I like to do this even like at the end of the journaling. So then you saw, oh, I'm telling myself I'm not enough. Then write, I am enough over and over and over again and feel it and call yourself. I am complete. I am worthy. I am my dreams. And the affirmations, it's important that you're choosing one that actually like excites you. Yeah. Transformation has been such a beautiful theme on Seek the Joy podcast over the last two years. And at the beginning of 2019, Josette Kasik, mom, healer, dancer of the soul, internationally renowned Zumba instructor, joined me on the podcast to talk about her journey of healing, the diagnosis of advanced and severe rheumatoid arthritis that changed her life, but how ultimately listening to her inner voice and her inner knowing brought forward the biggest transformation of her life. What a brave choice to decide not to fill or take the prescriptions, especially when they're telling you like the prognosis here is grim. You may never, you most likely will not walk again. Was there something just in you that knew like I could find another way out. I could figure this out myself without the drugs, without the prognosis that they were giving me. Yes, absolutely. And that was where 
I think it was in those moments that I became open to listening, to to hearing the inner voice yeah. that is always there. It's ever present. We just have a tendency to block it out because we're so focused on what's happening outside of us that we can't and we don't. And we, we kind of totally like put our la 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 la. Mm-hmm. We can't hear the, yeah. we can't hear the inner voice. And it was in those moments where that inner voice became very loud. And I think the universe has a way of giving you that, you know, there, mm-hmm. there is, there's, there's, there's that window that opens when the door is closed and that mm-hmm. voice that instinct said, you can get out of this. You got to get to Santa Barbara. I had no idea why I was supposed to go to Santa Barbara. My husband Mm. was like, why the heck are we moving to Santa Barbara? It's the most (laughs) expensive place. I like, there's only seasonal work for me. What are we going to do? And I kept saying, I don't know. So I sold everything we had. I sold all my heirloom jewelry, all my, my mom's rings that she had given me everything I had, all our China we got for our wedding, everything just so we could get the plane ticket, pay first month's rent and figure things out. Um, and I said, I don't know, but at this point, the only thing I'm listening to is my, my voice inside. I really loved connecting with Josette and having this conversation. And it really started a series of conversations about intuition and tapping into our inner voice and our inner knowing and what that really means. I love what Josette shared that the moment she made the choice to listen to that voice, it was like the doors opened up for her and she was going with the flow. And over time, she was back doing what she loves, which is dancing and teaching. And her classes are totally infectious and magical. And I can't wait until the day I get to go up to Santa Barbara to take one. In this next clip, I love what Josette shares about what her classes are like. It's, it is energy, that's for sure, because what I've been able to do through the practice, not only of meditation, but of going in and teaching these classes, is to find that, that bliss and that joy that makes me happy and literally try and transmute it to mm-hmm. everyone that's in the room. And somehow I have been able to be an open channel for that. It, mm. I always say it's not really me. I'm just an open channel. I'm, I'm a willing and yeah. happy participant, Yeah. but I get out of the way. I really get out of the way. When the music goes on, I, I have a mantra that says it's all yours. I don't know who I'm talking to, but <laughs> it just, it's, it's, it's bigger than me. It's more beautiful than I could ever I could ever create, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm happily allowing the flow to flow through me. And it is palpable. I mean, you, you feel it. We, I know there's something magical. And I, even after classes, I'm like, wow, I can't even believe it's so much more than just going in and dancing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very difficult to explain Josette has been a dancer her entire life and Zumba has given her so much. Take a listen to what Josette shares in this next clip about how Zumba allowed her to shift and to change to get back into her zone despite rheumatoid arthritis and everything that she's been through. It did. It, 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 because I think when you're feeling that, that transcendence, when you're in your zone, that's the only way you can shift. You can shift from the fear to hang on. No, I'm okay. Cause even yeah. though the pain was still there, there was a light that came in and it's that shift that Zumba gave me. It gave me the, the possibility. It, it put the light in the darkness. 
Myrna Valerio, aka the Myrnavator, knows a lot about what it means to put the light back in the darkness. She's an ultramarathon runner, full-time adventurer, author, former educator, and mom, and she's full of love and joy and one of my favorite guests to date. For Myrna, curiosity is an essential part of adventure and pursuing our goals. I love what she shared in this next clip. And, you know, because I always have this curiosity and I think that is an essential part of of adventure. I think it's an essential part of keeping life interesting and, and, you know, always having different goals in my head, whether they're physical goals, intellectual goals, social goals, whatever kind of goals I have, um, I, I, it definitely needs an element of curiosity. I'm like, what's next or what, what's around this bend or, you know, yeah. Um, or, you know, what's in that dark cave, (laughs) which for a lot of us would be, Oh, I'm not going in that dark cave. Like I'm afraid of what's next or I have fear centered around it, but it almost sounds like you live with no fear. Oh, I have a lot of fear. (laughs) (laughs) So don't don't get it twisted. I have fear. I have so much fear, but sometimes you just have to you, you acknowledge the fear and you have it, but you go into a situation with that fear yeah. and just keep acknowledging that you have it and work through it. And, you know, I, I do have a fear of dark spaces, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just, you know, but the curiosity in me is greater. A, a lot of times is greater than that, that actual um, fear. And so I'll, even though the fear is um, ever present, I will continue walking towards the darkness, looking in, being careful, looking in and, and, you know, and little by little becoming a little bit more comfortable with uh, having that fear present. And it's, you know, again, it's always there. And, but I think, you know, people deal with fear differently. Some people allow it to block them. Um, Some people fully embrace it and, and they allow it to kind of <laughs> pump up their adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. So it's about whether or not it paralyzes you or it motivates you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a huge connection between curiosity and fear. And even though fear is always present for Myrna, her curiosity is often greater than her fear. I love what she shares in this episode that you can have the fear, you can fail, you can have the fear of failure, but you can still keep living and trying new things. From her blog, Fat Girl Running, to the REI documentary and her book, A Beautiful Work in Progress, Myrna shares with us how she deals with negative comments and why it's so important to embrace the body that we're in. She's truly a force of nature, and what Myrna shares in this next clip continues to inspire me, motivate me, and encourage me to put myself out there in new and different ways and practice feeling my fear, but doing it anyway. You know, people will either see me or read about me or, and, and, and say, wow, well, if she can go out there and, and run an ultra marathon, I can, I can try to start some kind of fitness, something or other, because, you know, and that's, and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I, I go out and I show myself I am vulnerable. I've failed in public many times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's not fun. It's not fun at all. No. Uh, you know, but, you know, it's, and it's never easy to fail. Um, and it's very, it's always disappointing for me, but I get over it really quickly because there's always something else that I'm looking forward to. But I, I'm so happy to be able to show that to people because people get 
stopped in their tracks because of failure. They get stopped in their tracks because of fear, like we talked about before. And if I can show them that you can have this fear and you can fail, but you can still keep living you can still keep trying things, even if they're hard, even if you know, without a doubt that you are going to fail, <laughs> but there's something right. learned in that journey. There's something that you can, uh, that you will find out about yourself. There's something new that you will find out about your heart, about your spirit, about your determination, even if you know you're going to fail, even if there is that possibility of failure. And this starts in childhood, like when depending, it really depends on how you grew up and, and how you dealt with failure as a child and, and, and how your community reacted when you had right. <laughs> failed, you know, um, all that stuff comes up in adulthood. Oh, it does. <laughs> yeah, and so, and I think that the, the more, the more that I, um, you know, live my life publicly, um, you know, and sometimes that's hard, uh, cause sometimes I just want to go to a race and just run it and not have to talk to people. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the more that I can do that and, um, and show people that, you know, when, when you can do really awesome, crazy, hard stuff in the body that you have, it may not be an ultra marathon. It might be CrossFit. It might be, I don't know, <laughs> rowing three miles, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you can, you can at least start. You can at least try. And some people will not even try because of this fear of failure or this fear of what other people are going to say to you or, um, uh, or, or think about you. And for me, I have the blessing that I don't care mm. <laughs> what people think. Yeah. And so, and I know that a lot of people don't live their lives that way and, and that's hard to deal with, but you know what? You can practice, you can practice not caring about what people think yeah. and, uh, and, and practice your comebacks you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> when people say ignorant things to you or, or, you know, or give you a, a you know, a questionable look. Yeah. Ever since starting Seek the Joy podcast two years ago, aiming for my joy and putting my fear in the back seat has changed my life. And it's encouraged me and pushed me to be more open and honest and vulnerable about my own healing journey, both mental and physical and emotional, but also spiritual. And so this year, I decided to start to be a little bit more open about all of that. And in February, I was joined by my friend, Aiden Chase. He's a third generation healer and intuitive. And he's been someone who has been really instrumental in my growth and in my healing over the last five years. The energy and healing work that we've done together has completely changed my life. And I really believe helped to put me back on the path that I was always supposed to be on. Take a listen to what Aiden had to say about intuition, listening to our inner voice, and trusting it. We always have the right answer, but sometimes things get in the way. We've been programmed to believe something, whether it's religious or a negative thing by somebody that says, no, you can't, you shouldn't, you wouldn't, or whatever it might be that stops us from really listening to that guidance system. And I always say, I'm sure you've done this too. We've all done this. Oh, I should have listened to myself. I mm -hmm. was right. Yeah. And, you know, I went the other way and I knew better. And we get all mad and angry. And ah, I knew better. And it's because our intuition, our gut feeling, our animal instinct is always right. It is never wrong. And part of what my work has been all along, especially when I was really young, is really to listen to your intuition, but to trust it. And mm -hmm. anybody can use your intuition as the guiding force in their life and to protect and to serve, you know, your wishes and dreams. But we have to learn to really trust it and build like a muscle of it, of trust. And when we do that, 
I mean, life really becomes truly awesome and lots of synchronicities and lots of alignments. And again, along the way, we meet really cool people that show up that help us fulfill those wishes and dreams. If we restrict those thinkings of our wishes and dreams or that little nudges, then we end up meeting the wrong people that trouble ensues. And then it forces us at some point to say, hey, I don't want this. I better aim to what I want. So for somebody that's listening, and let's say they're in the process of building that trust and and things start showing up differently, what would be your advice for them to continue to build that trust so that they can continue along that path that lights them up and that they're passionate about and what they're excited about, kind of following that mm-hmm. you know yellow brick road. So yeah, what would be your yeah. advice to them just to keep trusting that? That's an excellent question. And I think that's kind of the secret question in here that yeah. eludes a lot of people. And what it is, is about listening to all the little signs and symbols, the ones that show up, things that repeat. Learning to trust our intuition is like building a muscle. And when we build that muscle, that's when synchronicities start to show up more and more. But it's often a process to build that trust. And I love what Aiden just shared, that it's about listening to the little signs and symbols and things that keep showing up and also paying attention to how it all makes you feel. And part of that too is learning to step into our own healing and to trust that the healing is taking place even when we can't always see it or feel it. But what is healing exactly? I love what Aiden shares about healing and its connection to love. But healing is also something very subtle and very gentle, too. It's about opening the doors to your own Mm self-love where maybe people limit it or they self-judge or maybe they hurt themselves in some ways. And finding and open those doors to the inner love is very healing. Mm -hmm. And then when we heal ourselves, you know, I had a spirit guide once said, we're only here to heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully that healing inspires someone else to get better and to heal themselves from whatever the issues are that are making their lives dark in some ways or limiting them seeking the joy. So love heals everything. It conquers all, solves all, heals all, rescues all. And sometimes it can be very energetic, very Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I only say, and I would say angels and above, love only. And when, you know, you talk about us kind of opening the energetic door to whether it's a Native American spirit or an angel or a past mm-hmm. loved one, is there's this boundary that I set that says, I only receive into this session or into this space the highest light and love. Yeah. If it's a toe in the dark side, I say, no, thank you. And our lives can really transform when we stay, if you say, stay in the love, stay in the light. Yeah. And when you're in that space, that's where the joy is. Our joy is in those spaces of love. It's in those spaces of light. It's in those spaces where you are doing what lights you up, what brings a sparkle back to your eye, what makes you feel like you. But how do we aim for that joy? I love what Aiden shared about this. It's about really finding and tuning in where you have your own inner intuitive guidance system that helps build your life Mm -hmm. and helps you aim to your wishes and dreams and what your preferences are. I say whatever you prefer, whatever you like, maybe you love England or maybe you love, I don't know, Native American things. Whatever we're drawn to is usually our soul guiding us in the direction because those things bring us joy. If we love movies and we love to go to movies, that brings us joy. And so we say, hey, I really want to go to a movie versus, I don't know, do your taxes, <laughs> you know, whatever <laughs> it is. You know, yeah. we, we aim to the things that bring us joy. And a lot of people have forgotten. Some people are too responsible 
responsible. Responsibility is great. Sometimes people get a little too serious, Sydney Weiss. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) And we aim towards the joy. And that's what's been so beautiful for you is aiming toward it has transformed everything. Understatement, right? Total yeah. understatement. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I've been so proud of you because you've done it all. Oh, thank I may have you. guided in some ways. Totally. But you know, you've done all the hard work, all the heavy lifting, but more than heavy lifting, all the shedding of all the old stuff that you've been carrying for way too long. Yeah. They were huge things, you know, just different belief structures and thought patterns and habits about what you believe about yourself or the world. And mm-hmm. and when you did seek the joy, when you aimed in that direction amazing things happen. It totally changed my life because then after that experience came launching this podcast and came literally embodying in a word, in a phrase, seek the joy. It was like pulling back that arrow and aiming in that direction, just like you, we've been talking about throughout this entire conversation. And I think it just goes to show that when you have the courage and the willingness to get quiet within your own healing and Mm -hmm. look at who you are and who you want to be and what brings you joy and what you're passionate about, even if you don't know the full picture, just having that courage to aim a little bit in that direction, it'll totally change your life. My conversation with Aiden totally set the stage for a greater vulnerability and honesty surrounding my spiritual and healing journey. And I knew at the beginning of 2019 that I was so ready to start to share that journey more fully and more openly. And so I started inviting people on the podcast who have been foundational and instrumental in that journey. So in May, I was joined by Nicola Berman. She's an energy alchemist and spiritual sage and the chief energy officer at Seven Ohm. And we first met in December 2017 when I visited her at the Ojai Valley Inn and Spa for a session. Through our work together, I have opened up to my own magic and my own authentic truth and voice in ways I never thought or knew possible. Nicola has this really incredible way of igniting our inner alchemist and allowing us to step forward in remembering that we all have access to this magic. We're all multidimensional beings, and I love what Nicola shares about this in this next clip. And this is foundational. Who you are, who I am, who we all are as multidimensional beings, celestial beings, however we want to say it, we already are that being. Mm -hmm. Like that being lives inside of us. You know, we sometimes talk about integrating. We talk about light coming in and how it's kind of waking this up. It doesn't doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. This, every ounce of the magic of Sydney beyond even Sydney, truthfully, already is you. Mm. 100,000%. And the only reason we do any of these experiences, rituals, self-work, like whatever it is, is literally just to release anything. Like if we just literally saw it as like dust or silk, like we are just washing the window frame. Mm. Like That is it. It's so simple. Like it really is. I mean, obviously the actual work sometimes feels quite complex or Mm -hmm. emotional. Mm -hmm. It's a journey. It's a journey journey of renewal, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. 100%. But it's already here. And it's the same thing as we just said earlier about when we remember that our heart knows we don't even need to know the answer yet. We get a sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. When we realize 
that we're not chasing after anything, that our multidimensional, our our fifth dimensional, whatever we want to call it, our love-filled self Mm -hmm. already lives inside our being. We attune to it more. We learn to live in the moment more. And then the actual magic and serendipity really shows up. I'm learning that everything is an exploration of energy. And the more that we're aware of this, everything changes. I love what Nicholas shares in this next clip about what it really means to be an alchemist of your own life. To really be an alchemist of your life is to listen to your heart so deeply and Mm -hmm. truly and authentically that it guides you through every chapter. And what that means is magic will happen, miracles will happen, you'll show up in a place and you will create, garner, receive opportunities that are just so incredible. I'm thinking particularly about the Ojai Valley Inn and being the energy alchemist there. And then there will come a moment when you know it's complete and you don't even know specifically what's going to replace it. But what most humans do, and this is why we get stuck in a rut, is that we, particularly when we've reached a level of success, we will not step away from that until we know what the next thing is. So true. Yeah. And a real alchemist steps away when they know that they're complete in a moment, in a situation, in a relationship, like whatever it is, without knowing what's next because that's literally how you create the space i've been saying this more and more over the last year but i truly believe that who we are at our core is love and so when we remember this and we step into this it provides for a greater connection and community and empathy compassion and kindness and this podcast and this journey continues to remind me that we came here to know joy, to trust it and to trust in our heart and to connect to what lights us up. I love what Nicola just shared about how when we remember that our heart already knows, there's a sense of freedom. But even more than that, when we tap into the sense of love, there's a remembrance that we can't let go of. And we literally can have the experience simply by just being with someone and looking into their eyes. It is the greatest, greatest, greatest awakener, Mm. like literally just soul gazing with another person. And it's what you said, like halfway through this conversation, we, I never really used to speak like this. Like this is a much more Arcturian concept. My friend Mm -hmm. Anna Wood works a lot with the Arcturians and, and the, their basis is just teaching like that we are love. And it, it it was never something that I would share because mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't feel I don't know it just wasn't part of my work, but it's the truth. Hmm. And the more we remember it and realize it, everything else really just becomes details. And it's almost like, how do you want to remember mm-hmm. that you are love in human form? You can do it this way or this way or this way or this way. It's like, do I want Chinese food tonight? Do I want (laughs) Japanese food? Do I want Indian food? Do I want a burger? It's literally that. Like, it doesn't really matter how we find our way to it, but we will find our way to it. I mean, that's what we are doing. 
We all find our way to our healing in our own time and in our own way. And in continuing in this series of featuring healers in my life who have been so instrumental on my journey, I sat down with Catherine Schiff. She's an intuitive healer, psychic, and intuitive healing teacher. And we had a really wonderful conversation about intuition and grounding in our energy and past lives. And I loved this conversation. Catherine and I first connected after I heard her on the Den Talks podcast, and I knew right away that I needed to book a session with her. Through our work together, Catherine has helped me align more deeply with my path. She's taught me how to energetically ground myself and remove people, places, and things from my energetic space that just don't belong. Listen to what Catherine had to say about awareness and its connection to energy, and knowing the difference between energy that's ours versus someone else's. But it all starts with connecting to that intuitive space. There is pictures, memories. I mean, if you really, really go there, it depends on what you believe, but all of our past lives are held in our energetic form. Mm -hmm. That's why we're unique because we all have these, you know, designs to us made of energy, right? Yeah. So we all have our stories. We have our past lives. We have our DNA that carries all of our ancestral energy. I mean, everything you've ever been connected to, you can find the information, really yeah. in your energetic space. So not going out on that whole limb, but just bringing it, <laughs> bringing it to the right here and right now, why yeah. that's important is yeah. because we are not victims of the energy. Mm. If something doesn't feel right, or if something feels off, it might be, and it is because it's a foreign energy. So I okay. think of energy as either yours or it's not. And if it's yours, it feels good in the body. If it's not yours, it's going to feel different. Mm, yeah, because I was going to ask you, you know, how do you know if it's your energy versus mm-hmm. someone else's or multiple people's? Because especially yeah. when I think you're sensitive or mm-hmm. you're energetically sensitive, you can often, you know, without even knowing, mm-hmm. allow other people's energy into your space. Absolutely. And so part of the healing work and part of that return, I think, to being in your own intuitive space is mm-hmm. removing other people's energy, getting them out Absolutely. of there so that you can feel good in your own space. So, so it sounds like it's really about tuning into whether or not you feel good in that moment. You feel light yes. versus kind of like, uh, yucky and off. Yeah. It's really simple. It's about awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel good. I just walked into a room and all of a sudden I feel really weird. Or I feel like a grief or I feel this anxiety in my heart. So now I can say to myself, wait, something is around me. I just picked up something, you know, Mm -hmm, that's not mm -hmm. mine. So I can just keep going with it or I can decide, Oh, I can do something with that. I can move it out, you know, in a second and then bring in my own energy and now it's gone Interesting. rather than suffering from it. Mm -hmm. So a lot, most of it starts with awareness. Yeah. I think that's what being awake is about. Just being aware what's yours and what isn't. Energy work is really a co-creative process. And for me, it's all started with awareness. It's about knowing what my energy is, recognizing my fears, my blocks, and my barriers, and then knowing too that I have the power to look at them, to release them, and then shift my energy. This above anything else is probably my greatest takeaway from this conversation and also my work with Catherine. You decide what comes into your space, nobody else. And if you're aware of that, if you know that, then you know, it's not about blaming yourself, right? We're not blaming ourselves like, oh, it's my fault that this happened to me. It's what it's doing is it takes you out of being a victim. I'm not a victim to what has happened or Mm -hmm. to what's in my space. And I'm not blaming myself for it. I'm just, I'm, I'm getting to be in my power 
yeah. that I'm, that I'm not a victim to this yeah. because if I allow what comes in my space, then I get my power back and then I can say, okay, I allowed that in and I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you get to look at it, You know, if you're doing this work, then what we normally do is we look at, well, what picture did it come in on? Mm-hmm. It is so powerful to remember that we're in control, that we are in control of our own energy. And yes, life is full of highs and lows and ups and downs, and it's often really unpredictable, but we're not a victim of the energy. That was a huge takeaway for me from this conversation. Through her work, Catherine sits in the intuitive space. It's the sixth chakra. And the process of reading and seeing the energy is a healing process. So what's the main message that Catherine hears the most from spirit and our guides? It all comes down to trust. Uh, one is I would say, when, okay, if I'm just checking in about that, I would say the main thing I hear is trust yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just trust yourself. So that means literally getting into a space where you can move out whatever causes you not to trust yourself. Okay. Yeah. And guides and spirits are all around us and they are here to help us and, you know, work for us. Honestly, they want to work for us. That's, that's part of their, of their, of their mission is they want to help us Mm -hmm. and they, and they get something out of that as well. But I like to also say they don't know more than us. Mm. Right. So I kind of look at it like I look to guides and I use them. I mean, I use them all the time. I'm using them right now. I use them, you know, before we got on the phone, I called in my guys, have mm-hmm. them around me. I help, I asked them to help me hold my space, mm-hmm. you know, and to connect me to source, to my higher self. But, and they can give great advice. They can help. But I think it's important to know that they don't know more than us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have to decide for us. <laughs> yeah. So that's the message I get most is we're here. We'll help. And trust yourself. <laughs> so in some ways that there are there are peers in this journey, right? Yeah. That we're sort yeah. of maybe yeah. on the same level and that often though what they share with us or what they reveal to us is maybe deep truths that we know that we just haven't remembered yeah. or connected exactly. with. Exactly. That they're not all knowing in such a bigger way than we are. They're not. They're really not. They're more knowing in the space they're in and they don't remember or have any idea what it's like to be in a body necessarily mm-hmm. when they're there. So they're learning from us too. But yeah, you're right. They're more like our peers. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of in a different place. Yeah. So they've got different information. Yeah. And that goes yeah. back to taking your power back and being empowered it's all in this that. work. I cannot believe that it's been two years of Seek the Joy podcast, and it was really emotional for me to sit down and to put this episode together, to go through and listen to so many of our episodes and conversations and to pick out the highlights. I found myself throughout this process in this space of reflection, thinking about how much I've grown, how much my voice has grown, my knowledge and my understanding, my empathy and my compassion. It's all grown and evolved and shifted in such a beautiful and profound way in the last two years. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to work on this show and to share it with you. It's really an extension of my heart and of my joy, and I am so excited for year three. It's no secret that starting a podcast and connecting with so many of you 
has completely shifted the direction of my life and of my career. And I am just forever grateful that you have opened your ears and your lives and your homes and your car rides and conversations to me and Seek the Joy podcast. In year three, we're going to continue to feature the voices and stories of so many thought leaders, change makers, and people who are living and loving in their joy. And so if you want to be part of this show and this mission and this movement, it would be my honor to feature you and to include you and to share your voice and your story. So really, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being part of this show, for being part of this journey, for being part of Seek the Joy podcast. And I don't know about you, but I am just so excited and ready for year three. So here we go. 